Hi, this is Susan Wanderer. And this is Katie Hawkins. And welcome to episode seven of She Speaks Stories. This is going to be a great week. If you are tuning in for the very first time on any of our episodes, you are in for quite a treat. <laughs> we are not sitting around my kitchen table. No, we are not. Like normal. We are up at the North Star Network offices because they actually have recording equipment where we can record someone who doesn't live in the area, who isn't sitting right at the table with us. And our guest this morning is Rebecca Lyons, who lives in Nashville. She is incredible, absolutely incredible. She's written this book called You Are Free. She is an author. Um, she's a speaker. Um, she has a beautiful family. Um, her husband runs a uh, ministry um, called Q, which is incredible. And that's how I first learned of Rebecca, because I first knew about her husband, Gabe, uh, through Q. And then, um, I mean, I didn't know him. I knew about him. <laughs> and, um, and so it was incredible, incredible dialogue um, to be able to hear what's coming out of that um, that is, it's just incredible. And so then Rebecca started speaking and, um, she started, uh, writing books and it was incredible. And I, um, was actually watching my television and, uh, it was around Christmas time. And one of the news anchors on Good Morning America was talking about their favorite things of 2017. And this news anchor, you know, they always talk about like, uh, you know, when people do those favorites of 2017, that's like their favorite makeup or their favorite outfit or favorite whatever. Well, this woman was started talking about her favorite book, and it was Rebecca's book called You Are Free. And I immediately sat up on the edge of my chair because the way this woman was talking was not like, oh, this is my favorite book of 2017. It was, this book has changed my life. This book will change your life you need to get your hands on this book. And it made me like lean in. And I immediately told you, Katie, about it. Cause yes. I was like, holy cow, this is this has got to be a book that we look that we lean into. Well, and here's the funny thing. I already knew that the North Star Women's Network yes, yes. was having Rebecca Lyons as their speaker. Every other year they do a huge women's conference for the Northern Virginia area. And I knew Rebecca Lyons was going to be the speaker, but I really didn't know much about her. And then when you told me, oh, yeah. oh hey, blah, 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 and it's about incredible. Good Morning America, I'm like, wow. Yeah. So I immediately went out, bought the book. Yeah. Well, and I will say this. Katie is a big reader. I mean, you are. You're a very I big reader. I love to read. It's and like my only hobby. Yeah. And I will say I'm not a big reader. I'm more, I honestly am more of a podcast person. I list, I can listen to things all the day long. And so you immediately went and got that book. Yeah. Whereas me, I was immediately talking about the book, <laughs> but I did not follow through with reading the book until you were like, you've got to read this book. And you well, went out and bought the, you went out and bought the book for me. And this is what is crazy about this particular book. I'd be reading it. Then I'd have a conversation with a friend, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Rebecca Lyons addresses that yeah. in this book about I, being absolutely. free. And so I'd give him my copy. Yeah. Then I'd go out and get myself another one. Then I gave that one yeah. away. It's amazing. I have given three copies of that book away. Oh, I got yeah. two more now on deck, and, I, and one of those is already promised. Um, and I think it's because the book is so practical. Yeah, it I is. I mean, it's all about Jesus Christ and how he came to set us free. Mm -hmm. And when we are walking with him, we are free. It's not a book like, here's 10 steps to no. get free right. or here, you know, if you do these eight things, you're yeah. going to be happy and free. It's like you already are free. It is. If you're walking with Christ. However, we need to live in the reality mm -hmm. of it and be who he created you to be. And then each one of her chapters. Yeah has like kind of a little different subject. Like, for example, you are free to be weak. Yeah. You are free to start over. You yeah. are free to be brave. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it really is. It, when I read this book, I experienced way more emotions than I anticipated because of a book. And it was, uh, it hit close to home in many, many, many of the yes. areas of my life. Yes. And I was not anticipating that. And I think every, I believe men and women can, can benefit from this book. But as a woman reading this, it absolutely challenged me to believe 
who God is and what he says he can do and believe who I am in him. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, I mean, there's freedom in that, in knowing right. I'm going to believe who I am because of who he says I am. And I'm going to believe who he is and the power that he has. Because I think, and one of the things that, I mean, she's getting ready to be our guest in Katie and Arson here dialoguing over the entire book. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it is that fantastic. But, I mean, one of the things is, is that so many times we just, we don't really believe God at his word and what he can do. He says he can do. And I think growing up, I love my home church. I love the way I grew up. I love my background. But I will say, I don't always have words for things or language for things that I may not understand in faith. Does that make sense? Right. Right. And she even said she didn't have complete language for things. And, um, I think another reason this hit close to home is, um, May 16th of 2016, I had um, a full-blown panic attack, full-blown, in the middle of a very crowded area, and I had no language for it. I didn't know what was happening. Yes. I didn't, and I couldn't necessarily even put into words what was going on. I felt completely out of control. And when I read this book, mm-hmm. it put language to all of that. And I, I mean, I sobbed through the yes. chapter where it explained what she had experienced in having panic attacks in that she didn't have language for it. Right. Because right. you know what I mean? It's like right. you don't really know what's happening to you. And you really don't. You and really I don't. think that's why I've given so many of these books away. Yes. Because so many people experience anxiety, depression, these, these yes. attacks, these... Um, this dark state of mind sometimes mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. just fearful and yeah. scary and what is happening and 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 they're believers they're yeah. they're trying to walk with Christ but they don't know how to deal with that yeah. and what I love about her book is she's so honest she is and she she's is. so real she's not afraid of yeah. um, oh if I if if I say this happened, yeah. I'll be judged or criticized. Or well, and um, it talked about she's just when, open and honest. I absolutely. love it, and I'd like how she talked about when you are living in anxiety, and um, you are a believer, but you're living in anxiety. She said she felt like, and I'm totally paraphrasing. I mean, I am botching this up seriously, <laughs> but she so- talked about how she felt like she was living, or maybe she, I, anyway, it was about living in a prison cell but the doors are wide right, open. Right. And you have freedom to leave right, that prison cell. Right. But you are choosing to stay in that prison cell because you are not experiencing the freedom of walking out. That was powerful. To Wasn't me. that powerful? Yeah. And then she talked about how he's broken our chains, but we're still walking around with chains all over us. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, I'm telling you, the front of the book says you are free. And then the little subline says, be who you already are. And I'm telling you, it's a powerful book. But I want to also say this. For those of you who live up here in the Northern Virginia area, whether you're in Northern Virginia, D.C., or Maryland, you have an incredible opportunity to be able to hear Rebecca live next Saturday. Um, and it, it, it is, uh, let me find the date really quick. It's March 17th. Saturday, March 17th. It's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at First Baptist Church of Woodbridge. Um, it's on Minneville Road there. The doors open at 8 a.m. That morning, um, it's going to be Rebecca is going to be the featured speaker. Um, Kimberly Williams is going to be there as the worship leader. And then um, the Voices of Lee Acapella Worship Group. Uh, let me stop there for one second. I'm so <laughs> excited about Rebecca and about Kimberly. You don't even know. But I will say this too. My kids and I, mainly my girls and I, are all fangirls of Voices of Lee because they are. Have you ever heard them? Katie? I have never heard them. Oh my but gosh! I'm dying to. They have you got you. Me. Okay, listen to me. Whoever's listening to this right now, you need to Google Voices of Lee, and you will just be standing there with your mouths open because I'm telling you, I'm sitting there watching them on YouTube, and my hands are raised in complete worship because they are that good. I cannot. I'm totally getting a picture with them on Saturday. I don't even care what because I've got to show my girls. I'm telling you. So next Saturday, if you have not already gotten tickets, you need to get tickets. And here's how you get the tickets. Northstarwomensnetwork.org slash living free. Northstarwomensnetwork.org slash living free. You go right there. You want to get your tickets. Now, let me tell you, there's not an unlimited amount of tickets and they've already sold a lot of tickets. So if you want to do it, you've really, it's, I mean, it's next weekend. We're talking one week from the moment you're hearing this podcast. Hop on it. 
Get that get ticket. It. Exactly. And here's the thing. Some of you might be thinking, eh, I'll just buy the book and no way. read the book. Yeah. To experience her live, I personally can cannot wait. Oh, I Even though either. I have read the book, yeah. even though we're going to be talking to her right now, yeah. I want to to be at one of these live events because in the book, she talks about going all around the country yeah. to these um, speaking engagements and really engaging people as to um, where they feel trapped, where they're not living free. Right. And um, just offers wisdom and then and then prayer times. Yeah. It's going to be Calling powerful. down freedom. And I'm like, I... Yeah. I'm there. I am there. I'm telling you, Katie and I are going to be there. Um, and so that's another thing is that Katie and I are going to be there. We have, we're going to have a little table out in like the lobby area for our She Speaks Stories podcast. So come by and say hey to us. We would love to <laughs> we, see you. We'll give you a free pen. Yes. We, oh, I had to get this order. <laughs> Did you get those ordered? Seriously? Okay, maybe yes. we won't. No, we will. We will. And so um, you need to come and see us. And then I'm telling you, it is going to be the most amazing Saturday Um Get some friends together. Have a girlfriend's uh, day there. And if you're here living in Northern Virginia, uh, you guys, it's going to be a beautiful short trip right there to Woodbridge to be able to see it. It's going to be great. And now you get to meet Rebecca via this podcast and get just a little taste of her story. Um, Obviously, on Saturday, you'll you'll hear more if you can come. And... Again, you can read her book, but how fun is it that Susan and I get to interview her right now on this podcast if we can get the technology to work? Yeah. And we want to say a million thank yous to Katie Harding for setting this interview up because that, and for also all of Katie's work with uh, the North Star Women's Network. She's a rock star. She's a rock star. So Katie Harding, Katie Harding, Katie Katie Harding is a rock star. You are a rock star as well. (laughs) So without any uh, waiting any further, uh, we want to introduce... Uh, Rebecca Lyons to you, and we hope you guys enjoy um, episode seven. All right, Rebecca, we are so glad that you're with us today. Thank you so very much. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Now, we did a little bit of an intro before we got on with you, so we don't have to waste any precious time, but we can get right in to what God is doing in your life, what he has done through you already. Um, And so we're just going to kind of hand it over to you if you're okay with that. Sure. So where do you want me to start? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I think the biggest thing Susan and I were yapping about in the introduction was this book you wrote, You Are Free. And I know you had another book previous to that that really was kind of your life story. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell a little bit of your life story and then how you wrote this book and then what you're doing? Sure. Okay. Uh, so my first book was Free Fall to Fly, and that really chronicled my crash and burn moving to New York City eight years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long now. And what I, I'm, it's a midlife reset for me at that time. And we had three kids at the time that were seven, um, nine, seven, and five. And I'm thinking I'm going to the city looking for meaning and kind of just, you know, my youngest is starting kindergarten, ending that decade of diapers and Cheerios and poop and ready to just kind of, you know, find my second wind. And instead, within about four months, I had my first panic attack. And I'm, you know, thinking the city's going to offer meaning and I find surrender instead. And through that season, I learned that meaning follows surrender. And sometimes we want those lives full of meaning, but we're unwilling to, to lay down the life we're currently living. And so that in some ways was pulled from my hands, that control, the firstborn type A control freak that I've always been when those panic attacks began. And so that lasted a couple of years. And so that story very much was documented in the first book of how the Lord met me about 18 months into that journey and gave me a story of healing and rescue that began to walk out. And so Uh, That was almost like a physical uh, encounter with the Lord in a way that healing started to look different. And I started to study mental health and look for women who struggle with anxiety and depression because part of that's in my family, part of that's my own journey. And, um, And then what happened is while that's kind of the external, I think the Lord was showing me through this most recent book that there's more, you know, sometimes the symptoms are 
are, are part of it, but the, but the root of pain is our hearts. And so this latest book that just came out a year ago, You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are, is, is where I had to kind of acknowledge a couple years into writing and speaking and sharing about this story that I was still operating from a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And you can wake into your calling and still not be free. And if you're not careful in the church, it just becomes a prettier version of striving. And so the external looks good, but I would find that I'd come back home and still compare myself to everybody else. Um, Was it good enough? Did I have the approval of men and women? Um, And God showed me early on in this book in the chapter called free to confess that, that I was not doing uh, what I was doing for an audience of one. I, I was just trying to keep up. And it was funny, the way I, I like to talk about it is that when I was home with kids, I never entered any diaper changing competitions. You know, you're just kind of doing the work. You're doing the work. You're just, you know, you're, you're getting through the day. You're, you're waiting for nap time. Um, but the minute I started stepping foot on a stage, I began to compare myself to everyone. And it's funny how certain seasons of life bring that out, that insecurity, that comparison. And so when I started to see something rear up, rear up, I thought this, this isn't good. And my friend Ann Voskamp, she has a quote where she said, I was watching it, um, on my screen one night, you know, eating a cheeseburger in a dark hotel room. It's kind of comical, but she said, those who keep score in life just want to know that they count. Yeah. And I realized at that point, she says, but when you do for an audience, what you do for an audience of one, you always know that you count. And so for me, I had to confess right there to the Lord that like, I'm not doing this for an audience of one. Why do I need the approval of everyone else? And God showed me, which really launched this whole second book. The, the, the whole narrative of the, of the second book is he says, Rebecca, you can chase all these things retweets or positive, uh, you know, likes or, um, five-star reviews on Amazon. He says, but all this public affection cannot heal private rejection. And, and so I had to go back and confess my own, um, pain probably that I'd carried for a long time. And we don't always realize in the middle of our busyness or our striving why we're doing it. And there's something I write in the book early on. Like if someone had asked me in my youth, why all the striving, I would not have had an answer, mm-hmm. but, but there's, but when you get, um, distance, you can look back and you can see these patterns of fight or flight that kind of played out in my life that were really driven from this lie that says, I'm not worthy of love unless I earn it. Mm-hmm. And so that is something I kind of took on early in life and just lived from that place. It was a wound that created a lie that I then made agreement with that lie. And so in the beginning of this, you are free book. It was, it was Jesus saying, you know, Rebecca, I've already paid the price and done the work for all these things. You're striving, you're performing for my love. Stop. Like it's already there. And so it was a three year journey where he began to show me all the places he wanted to set me free. So that's kind of the, that's the short end of, of what that's looked like the last few years. Well, and I'll tell you um, that chapter that you talk about with Anne's um, quote that you talked about with Anne's quote at the uh, middle or end of that chapter, you basically start talking that the thing that launches freedom is confession. And that's powerful because I mean, that whole chapter of even when you had, um, what is it called? Uh, You called it your prayer of freedom. Oh, Rebecca. I mean, I wrote that out to put it on my mirror in the morning because that's a whole, that whole prayer was a confession that I don't want you just to heal my heart. I almost want you just to give me a new one. And that's, that's a powerful statement of, I don't want to be band-aided. I just want you to provide me something new. Right. I mean, that's powerful. You know, I think in prayer sometimes there, scripture talks so much about how the spirit comes upon Jesus when he begins to preach or teach or, and, and, and Jesus even tells us how to pray. And because he baptizes us with his spirit, I believe his spirit even guides us in our own prayers. Obviously with sometimes with groanings, we can't understand sometimes yeah. with just, um, even just whispers in the middle of prayer. And I remember writing that out one day and I was just, uh, right around the time that all this was coming to the surface. And I, I felt so convicted to continue to pray for more, you know, to ask for more. And I said, I don't want a steri strip or a patch job. Like 
I want a healing as if the wounding never happened. And, and, and I was like, that doesn't even make sense, Rebecca. Like it came out and there's a side of me. It's like, well, I mean, Jesus still obviously had the scars from the cross, even after the resurrection, but there's something about the resurrection life in the new in the new Testament. Every time Jesus says, I've come that you have life. Yeah. and that you'd have it abundantly the life that is described in the new covenant is different than the life that's ever referenced in the greek in the hebrew and the greek so the life in the new testament is e divine eternal resurrection life it's yeah. this like the life that will never die and so it's almost as if yeah it's as if the wounding never happened only in the way that you go wow i'm living in such a way that doesn't give any power or any residue to the to the trauma or the pain that happened prior. It's as if it never happened. Mm -hmm. Like I'm living in a new way that isn't constantly being pulled back or being coming under the defeat or the discouragement of something there. It's it's a new life. It's yeah. a resurrected life. Yeah. Um, and I think when we can get our he our heads around that um, as, as daughters of God, that, that he comes in such a way that he redeems and restores and renews in such a way that we don't have to live under the weight or of sin and shame any longer, like in such a way that we actually have more life than we did before that. We have more zeal, more passion, more fervor, more love, because he has literally um, restored us to the fullness, uh, you know, like of what he intended in the womb, what he destined in the womb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. I'm sorry, Kate, I keep talking no, so much. No, but I will say this too, is that um, this whole thought process has changed even how I pray for my kids mm -hmm. because um, my three kids are adopted from Ethiopia and, you know, uh, they each experience trauma in a different way. But the fact that you're, uh, you know, I grew up as a Southern Baptist and I love, I love my home church, but I didn't have words for certain things. I didn't have a right. language for certain things. You didn't have a theology. Yes. I didn't have an understanding of like what, what supernaturally really is God capable of? Do you know what I mean? Yes, and for sure. Even here that God physically and supernaturally is able to remove the ramifications of the trauma. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And Okay. He bought, he bought our freedom. Yes, exactly. Once and for all. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And I think it's changed. Your book has changed how I pray for my kids because I can truly believe that that trauma does not have to be their, uh, their sentence of life. Like that doesn't have to be the, what they live out because they can live out the freedom that Jesus offers, not the trauma that they experience. Do you know what I mean? Right. And you know, the distinction I think in the church so much is Jesus is like, I've already done the work, right? You know, if you look at Revelation 12, 11, the enemy is bound by two things. It's Christ's blood and our story. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, I've done the work. I've done my part. Amen. Your story is to, is to receive the work I've already done and, and, and confess the ways in which you haven't believed it or haven't embraced it or stepped into it and then declare that you're not going to keep doing that. You know, that you're going to actually take him at his word, believe truly that, that nothing is beyond the power of the cross and the resurrection. And even if you're not seeing the fullness of that redemption story right now in your moment, it does not shake you. You, you just, you, you march forward because you know that he, what he has declared is true. And yeah. so you can make agreement with that. And I think sometimes we let, we let oppression or um, we let um, the weight of sin hang around because we just think the sin is stronger. The sin is greater or the condemnation or the guilt or the shame or whatever. It gets bigger than the freedom that we actually already carry. Yeah. And so we come under that and we come under that covering if you will and we give it we give it more authority than it, than Jesus did and he's like what are you doing yeah. um and really what the enemy wants more than anything is our faith like that essentially is what he's after he's like if i can um discourage and diminish the bride of christ then no one will bear witness to the power of God. Like if, if they're not could believe in it, then no one else will. But if they finally go, you know what? No, I actually do believe this. Even if I don't see it, because faith is what we hope for, not, for, not what we see. And we hope for it because God has already said it's, it's so. Yeah. And so when we, when we come to that place, um, 
and our faith begins to grow, even in spite of the circumstances, the enemy's like, wait a minute, everything I'm throwing at them isn't working because no matter what their, their immediate circle might look like in that moment, they are still declaring and confessing um, faith in agreement with what God has already said is so. And so I believe, I'm excited because I do think as the church begins to take the authority that we've been given as sons and daughters, adopted, grafted into the vine, then, then, then we resist, we begin to resist the lies. And then, you know, as scripture says, if you resist in Jesus name, the enemy has no option, but to turn around and run. He has no option. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so you just go, you just, you yeah. just, and a lot of it is biblical literacy. People just don't read scripture um, or they cherry pick, you know, what they want to, you know, but that is, so I, true. that is so true. And I think that's why it's so important to love the word, even when you don't want to be in the word, because the word is what brings us life. If we fully are understanding it, do you know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. the word, the word is our literal defense. You know, yeah. when you look at the armor of God, of all the things that we are supposed to put on, the only offense is the shield, uh, is, the, is the sword of the spirit. So yeah. if you're going to wield a sword, it's his word. And it's like letting his word alone actually penetrate, you know, jo joint from marrow. It separates. Yeah truth from a lie. Um, and we can't wield it if we don't know it. We, yeah. we can't, you know, and what I love too, is that John, Jesus says in John 14, he's like, the spirit is actually going to remind you everything I've ever said. I love so it. even as an advocate and a comforter, the spirit of the living God in us can give us the word in season, can give us the word in that moment of trouble to go like, no, no, no. I don't accept this because God's not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me power, love, and a sound mind. So the more we have this stuff like, you know, at our fingertips or these cards, you know, I have these little cards I take with me on the road, like scripture for anxiety, scripture for mothering, scripture for friendship, scripture for, and I just like, just have them, you know, just, you know, scriptures like, whatsoever is pure and lovely and good report think on these things you know fill your mind with the things that's the renewing of your mind filling your mind with truth so that when lies come you're like no not even true like you don't even think twice about it and then you can start doing that on behalf of your friends too and it's it's it's, it's a relearning it's a relearning i think oh, so good that is so good. I do. I love that. And I love uh, taking the scripture cards wherever you're going. I mean, yeah. because, um, I think I heard somebody speak one time. I don't even know if it was Beth Moore or what it was, but she said um, the time that she would do that would be like um, in grocery shopping, going up and down. The, and she would just hold those scripture cards because that's where she knew that she had the time to do it because that's how important it is to guard your heart and your mind. I mean, yeah. it really yeah, it's something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot of talking. Do you have a question? <laughs> well, one last thought on that. I think what happened in the church is we began to see the, the, the word of God as kind of duty or obligation. We created a quiet time. We, we put, um, we put parameters around our, it, it was legalism, right? It's very much so like, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I may or may not understand what I'm actually reading. I may or may, and I'm not knocking that, but God never cares about the outcome. He only cares about relationship. And so this, it, what he wants to know is like, actually, are you, is your faith growing? Is your faith growing? Because if it's not growing, but you're, you're looking really holy, but you don't believe anything more about me than you did a year ago, then just put the Bible away. Like, because if your faith isn't actually growing and you are becoming um, one who is like standing on the front lines yeah. for yourself and for your friends and for those around you, then, you know, partly I think sometimes he's like, do you even know me? Yeah. Do you know me? Do you know me? Are you getting to know me? Um, and I like that because I think um, scripture isn't just this thing that we add to our to-do list. You know, it's actually, it's, it's the equipment we carry every day to, to, to go out into battle. And I hate using the battle language because it sounds like, you know, we're all going to go, I don't know. It sounds kind of aggressive. It kind of sounds aggressive, but the side of me that goes, this isn't flesh and blood, it's principalities and powers, right? So it's never like, 
we're not going on to battle against people. But if you do really believe that there's a threat of evil that's trying to actually diminish and discourage and defeat the church, then you're going to have to take your active role seriously. Um, yes. Yes. So I that's why. I, so to me, it's like, why, why wouldn't you read scripture? That is actually your, that's your fuel. Like that's, yeah. that's your defense. Yeah. Um, it's not optional. If you feel like it's like, no, it's for survival. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And the idea of battling it, you say it's over on here. It's, it's battling the lies. Yeah. Yeah. that accumulate in our mind, whether through our mm -hmm. upbringing or through catastrophes that happen mm -hmm. to us or things that labels that people have put on us or it, and then makes the enemy in there who loves mm -hmm. to lie to us in the battlefields in our mind. But, but that's how scripture mm -hmm. um, is such a tool is yeah. such, yeah. is such a weapon. Yeah. And Susan, you were saying that um, this book helped you pray differently with your yeah, with for my kids. kids. Yeah. Truthfully, Rebecca, your chapter on um, being free to ask and all about prayer and not having to figure out whether God's going to answer or not or give him an out or be, that has changed me in this last couple months. I do a lot of military ministry. My husband's a Marine. My Three sons are all in the military, and I and we live right by a, a Marine Corps base in Quantico, Virginia. So I deal a lot with um, with military spouses and a lot of a lot of issues with PTSD and in war coming home and just a lot of brokenness and messy yeah. problems, messy problems that it's kind of scary to wade into because I don't know. I, I don't have any answers, but I know who does. Right. Sometimes when I'm praying for women with overwhelming things, I do have this little like sense of fear that, well, if I pray boldly for her to be healed, if I pray boldly for her husband to you know, be free from these nightmares or whatever, and then he doesn't do it, Am I going to like wreck her faith even more? And I don't know, just all these insecurities about right. praying. And I know it's dumb. And so I would, obviously I would pray anyway. Right. But I always had this little hedge. Mm -hmm. And after reading your book about, look, you are free to ask. You are not responsible for the outcome. And let's just be free. So I cannot tell you in the last, even two weeks, the prayer times I've had that have been yeah. so incredibly exciting and powerful. Amen. And, uh, tears to women and um, so awesome. I, it just, I just thank you. I thank you for your own honesty, your realness, the way you could word things like that yeah. to, to set us free and yeah. kind of coupling it with, I think it was Beth Moore that said, a lot of us believe in God but we don't believe God. Yeah. And um, we would say, of course I'm a Christ follower. Of course I believe in scripture. Of course I believe in him, mm. but do we really believe him? Yeah. What he really yeah. said yeah. Yeah. and what yeah. he can really do. And it's just yeah. different. I don't know. Just the way you worded these chapters, you worded all the different things. Like we really can um, be free to ask. We can be free to be brave. Oh, I love love that chapter about yeah. being free yeah. to be brave yeah. um, because he's got this. He does. <laughs> yeah. And the premise behind the bravery is like courage is moving scared, right? Because you know that um, the, it's, here's the thing that people need to just understand is that like the enemy is going to always do what is in his nature to do. So if he's a tempter and a liar, like he's going to keep doing those things, no matter how free and no matter how much you confess and no matter how much you declare, he, he's not creative. He can't create. All he can do is twist and distort what God creates. Yeah, and right. so he'll, he'll take truth and kind of twist it enough to become a lie. So one thing I'm learning is that um, because we sometimes go, well, I, you know, I found freedom and I started to walk this out, but then all of a sudden these lies came back. I'm like, well, well, yeah, cause he's not, he's not creative. He, it worked last time and it worked the time before that. So he's just going to keep trying it. But when you readily go, you know, like, no, no, 
the only thing that changes in that equation is your response to it, where you just go, I don't receive that. I, 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 re I reject and renounce and I send that back to the foot of the cross for Jesus to deal with because he already has done this. He's already done the work. I don't need to receive um, any of that. And so I find now, um, or there's a temptation to fear. So he either lies to us or he always gives us the temptation to fear. And, um, one thing in prayer for people who have night terrors is a great example or people who kind of have, you know, in my, you know, my experience with panic attacks or my um, just kind of under like a constant, you know, low hum of anxiety, whatever that looks like. Still, those things are rooted in fear. They are rooted in fear. And yeah. I know that those things actually don't come from God because God's so clear. How many times does he say fear not? How many times does he say, yeah. I don't give you fear? Like, so you can actually, yes. once a day. Right? So you can actually ask for deliverance and rescue of anything that's rooted in fear or rooted in lies in Jesus name. And you can know with full assurance that that is in accordance with God's will. He does not yeah. actually. So, so I think sometimes when I'm going, it's, it's one thing to go like, I don't know, like the physical, like the physical ailment may or may not change now or next year or the side of eternity, but I know the fear can change right now. Yes. And yes. I know, yes. and, and so, so part of it now is taking more because sometimes he's a bully and he just uses the physical to make us afraid because if our yeah. mind is shut down, then yeah. it doesn't even matter whether we're are physically, we're physically strong or not. So yeah. many people are, so wow. many people are physically strong, but their mind is gone. They're shut down. Yeah. And so they're actually still debilitated. They're still paralyzed. They're not able to live out any of the destiny that, that God has on their life. Yeah. So to me, it's like, if we can just go after, the fear and the lies that attack the mind because we know, we know with certainty that what he's seeking or what he's doing is not in accordance to God's will. Then yeah. we can pray, we can pray. And so like my, my, my thinking is like, if you know someone with night terrors or you know someone who just continues to kind of be gripped in this kind of fear, you double down. You do not stop praying until that is, until that's gone. Yeah. You, bring, you bring two or three around, you just keep coming back around this thing. Because the fear, the fear is not of God. It isn't. It isn't. And so um, healing beyond that, you know, God, he, he does. And, and so a lot of times when I pray for healing, I'll say, obviously, we submit to you. We submit. We know that all of this is about your glory to be revealed now, next year, in eternity. Yes. So we trust it and we are going to petition boldly because we want this healing and you tell us we can ask and if we remain in you and you remain in us, we can ask whatever we want and, and you'll give it. And yet we don't know how that's going to roll out. So, we're, but this is what we want. This is what we want. We're being very clear about that. But what we know can happen now yeah. is that for you to erase the fear. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, and you know, I think too, I mean, as a, as a mom, that can radically transform how people parent because our kids they come to us how often with fears you know what i mean fears that in our minds seem small because we've already lived through those but to help them tackle those not of what you can do for yourself but what god can do for right, you right that changes then how they tackle fear in the future yeah. and that can be life altering because yeah. then it makes you realize this is not about how i change fear myself but about how God is going to change my life through handling my fear. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So powerful. But the reminder, powerful. Rebecca, that, okay, you pray, you're set free, but the enemy doesn't just go away. He doesn't roll over. No. <laughs> yeah. The specific story you told in here about having panic attacks on airplanes. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter, Molly, and she said I could share yeah. this. I always check her. Um, who lives in New York City, she has anxiety issues and she really developed a fear of flying because she had a major attack on a certain flight, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she said, mom, I have got to get free from that. It's ruining my life. I can't go anywhere. I can't do yeah. anything. And so talk, talk, talk. And then this book, again, Rebecca, reading it, I'm like, Molly, you're not going to believe this. This woman lived right in New York City. She had panic attacks and she didn't, you know, would have attacks on planes. 
So talking through it, so she got to fly to Montreal about a month ago and God in his sense of humor had her on this little teeny plane, one where you couldn't even stand up in. The plane was full. She was in the very last seat. The stewardess had to sit in the aisle next to Molly. So talk about being um, cramped. And that's when the panic sets in is when she felt like she couldn't get released. But God literally set her completely free. Amen. So praying, talking it through. Well, just yeah. last week she flew to North Carolina and she was all excited, not even worried about it, but she had another attack on the flight. Yeah. And my heart was like, Mom's, because after the first flight, she said, Mom, God is so good to me. I love him so much. I can't believe it. He's made me a new woman and bubbling over and couldn't wait to go to church. And, mm -hmm. But then that fades. And then this trip, and I'm like, honey, it's not like a one prayer and like it's a little pill and you're just all, it's no, your what, Yeah, what's happening for her is she's developing faith like a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. um, the temptation to fear is going to come back. And that's the thing. People think ground zero. Well, if we, if we go into this thinking that like the struggle is done, is done, and then we never have to actually like, but what, how would that actually strengthen us if we never had to like continue to go back into that battle, to continue to be faced or confronted with something hard? We grow stronger and our faith grows stronger. And I, I'm sure there's a story for your daughter. There's, there's a destiny on this story for her that, but, but part of the key is knowing like, um, when Joshua went to claim the promise, right? When he steps into the Jordan and then begins like, oh, finally we get to go to the freedom that, you know, we've been waiting 40 years for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That is when the battles began. <laughs> I love that. Right? He's claiming, yeah. he's claiming the promise. He's walking his whole generation to what was destined like and promised 40 years prior. And then he gets to Jericho and it's like battle after battle after battle. And, and so in some ways I'm, I'm, I think the Lord's like, Oh, you want freedom? You're, you're gonna, you're gonna literally going to have to contend because there are so many giants that have gotten, that have um, given power to yeah. this kind of, this kind of fear. And, and that's what's happening right now in our world. That's, that's exactly what we're looking at in culture. Um, you know, people don't know what to do with me in some ways because they're kind of like, wait, you are actually going to keep pushing into this. And I'm, I'm like, because it's the thing, like it is the thing. Mental illness is the thing that's crippling the church. It's crippling greater culture. It's, it's literally, literally our minds. And it's the way that we're seeing what we're confronting with and how powerless we feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyways, I would just say, there, I almost am grateful when there's a moment on a flight or there's a moment where I feel a little like quickening, um, a little like, like a temptation to fear. I'm almost grateful for those moments. They're very sweet because they bring me back immediately to my dependency and my desperation for God. And they keep my heart clean and they keep my heart pure because it keeps me humble. Cause God's, I'm like, Lord, you know, you know what, you, what you're working with here. You know what this has looked like for me. And I think what God's really after, honestly, in this battle, like he was with Joshua, was the communion and the union with him. Amen. Our time. Amen. So, for us, so for us to get delivered and then like go on our merry way and be like, thanks, Jesus. Um, I'll catch you in like in a decade when I need you again. It's like, no, 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 no. this is only going to work if we're arm in arm. And, and maybe there's going to be moments where you have to be reminded of that. Hmm. But we need to be like, like this, because what I've got for you can only be accomplished if I'm walking, if we're walking this close. Oh, Rebecca, this is so good. Rebecca, oh. when you said um, culturally, this is what we're facing yeah. now and that you're out there with this message. I felt that so strongly after reading your book. And at one point you said, you really felt like God told you, get out there and talk yeah. about healing, get out there and talk yeah. about this stuff. 
And I respect that so much because like after those Florida shootings, remember that, that yeah. school shooting? I had a young gal who just had had a precious baby and she was holding her baby and she looked at me and said, her eyes filled up with tears and she said, how can I even let go of him ever in this world today when how am I ever going to let him even go off to school? He could be shot. And you could just feel the panic in her uh, over her child. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this, this is just one sample of this spirit of fear that's kind of mm -hmm. taken over. Believe. I mean, she's a believer. That gal's a believer. She's in the Word. She goes to church. But she had such a strong spirit of fear over her her child yeah. and I thought and she's one that I gave your book to but I'm just saying what a message yeah. well and I'll yeah. say this um, I really believe um, your words are not just for the women that are current or men that are currently reading them I fully believe um, the next generation that we're trying to parent is going to be I don't want to get emotional I'm sorry they're going to be different kind of adults because we are trying to be different kind of adults. Does that make sense? And they're going to have to be, they're yeah. going to have to be because what is coming up in the generation behind us is probably the most fractured, fragmented. Um, they were handed an iPhone at age four, right? Or <laughs> right. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. what's that going to look like for a 40-year-old? Amen. And Amen. so I'm not, saying, I'm not saying there haven't been benefits of a technology, but like literally a screen robs us of our humanity. Totally. And so, so what <laughs> that's why I believe so strongly that like the, the, a revived church is going to have to match kind yeah. of the measure of um, desperation that our world is getting to because God and and so goes the darkness so goes the light like God's not wringing his hands in heaven like oh my goodness what am I going to do now because everyone's so lost and fractured he's like oh he's like don't whatever the enemy intends for harm I always good I always turn for good and I'm going to equip the bride and raise up the church and the next generation I I'm excited about it. I hope I'm still alive when that third grade awakening comes around because that is what it's going to look like that's what it's going to need to be that it's going to need to be like a wave of his spirit literally covering yes. the earth yes. because because he's like oh, hello this is a little bit of an overreach here and I'm not going to be mocked and Amen. so I'm, and so I'm really excited about that I think it's a thrilling time to be alive honestly and and we could go huddle in the corner and cry or we could go like do we trust god is on the throne yes yeah do we do we trust that he has the final say yes and so I, I think my role in this season is just to kind of be that clarion call to go like hey don't lose heart guys right. like this, we're, right. we're just in the middle of this thing and you're like you know put on your big girl pants and get out there and start you know declaring <laughs> yes. truth for yourself and for your kids and for their friends and all those people because the more people, the more truth tellers that get out there, then people start to be able to identify truth from a lie again. Because um, yes. that's, where, that's where it begins. When, when we don't know truth from a lie, and that's why I love how the armor of God begins with the belt of truth. Because if you don't, you don't know truth from a lie, you actually aren't going to have, <laughs> you're not going to be able to actually um, stand against the strategies of the devil. Mm -hmm. And the problem is half the church, not half the church, there are certain voices in the church that don't even acknowledge the enemy. Yes. And I'm yes. like, you're starting blind. Like <laughs> you don't even know what's coming against you. Yeah. You're not going to have any power or authority against it. If, if yeah. you, or if you even aren't sure that it's real, well, that's not going to be, you know, at that point, you're not, you're not a resource for the church. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. yeah. So, Amen. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis that said, um, there's two extremes when it comes to the devil's either think they don't exist at all or over uh giving them too much importance yeah right. and the devils themselves are content with either either yeah yeah. yeah just whatever makes you paralyzed yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so i like to, i you know some people don't want to talk about it or give it too much i agree with that but when i say talk about it it's to educate Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah to educate 
on the strategies of the devil because scripture is so clear. It's like when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand against the strategy. It's not if, it's yeah. not maybe, it's when. And when it comes, you can stand. And how do you stand? Well, it's because you actually understand. <laughs> so yeah. to me, to me, the only reason I even want to talk about it is to go, that's, that's actually not true. That's coming from the liar himself. And if you don't acknowledge the liar, then you can't acknowledge the source of the pain or, or the condemnation or all those things. And so that's the only reason that I have to bring it up just to go like, this is a thing and it's real. And this is what you do about it. Yeah. So. Amen. Well, Rebecca, you do it well. Yes. You, and you we, speak truth well, and we cannot wait to yeah. meet you actually in person. Um, can't wait. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. You have been a delight. Thank you so, so, so very much for being with us. That's uh, um, my joy. I tell you what, uh, this has been rich. I'm tell I could listen to you all day. <laughs> this has been rich. It has been rich. And um, we know that next Saturday, women are going to experience freedom. Like God's going to move. God's going to move in a beautiful way next weekend. So thank, thank you so much for being with thank us. You. So appreciate it. So and we'll see you soon. Yep. Yes. Cannot wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.